This episode of the Designated Drinker Show is brought to you by Cavassier. For over two centuries, creating cognac has been a fascination and an enduring passion for Cavassier. It's a magical mix of art and science where old traditions combine with unique innovations to create a range of cognacs that have become renowned the world over. Cavassier, the classic cognac that never compromises. So why would you? On that note, Cavassier would like to remind you to always drink responsibly. Welcome to the Designated Drinker Show. I am Louise Salts, your host on a podcast that is raising the bar on craft cocktails. And with me, as always, is my very talented friend. She's my pink heart, yellow moon, orange star, and green clover all wrapped up into one. <laughs> and she is definitely my lucky charm, and she is definitely magically delicious. <laughs> <laughs> First of all, how was that cereal this morning? Good idea or what? Oh my gosh, I love that. Well, you know, today's you know, all the all the guests always like inspire these things, and where that comes from is just great combinations, and that things just come together magically work. That you know, you may think it's a little strange, but when you get it all together, it's a piece of all those those puzzle pieces come together, and. Um, our guest today is uh, a little bit of a matchmaker. Um, definitely um, works some magic and brings some really cool stuff together. Um, so I'm just gonna stop rambling and just introduce him, imagine that. Um, and so let's uh, welcome Andre Hobson. Hello, hello, hello. He is hello. the brand ambassador of Cavassier. I love that. Yeah. Welcome. Thank you, thank you for having me. Yeah, so you are a lifestyle marketer, right? Uh, I guess. You like that title? You know, it's it's a title, you know, I guess it's kind of self-proclaimed and it, it really can't be quantifiable per se. It's kind of organic. <laughs> it's magic. And, you know, it's just, <laughs> you know, you have to give, people always want a title for something and they yeah. always want to ask you, well, what do you do and how does that work? And so you have to kind of figure out a way to describe, you know, what it is that you do for brands. Yeah. And, um. I guess lifestyle marketer or experiential marketer or lifestyle specialist has pretty much been the best way to kind of let people wrap their head around it. Yeah, little adjectives. Yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I love that. Yeah. So what do you do? Um, kind of get, we all kind of understand what marketers do and, you know, with my background, you are absolutely in my wheelhouse yeah. um, of understanding. Hold on. Oh. So oh. it's like cheers. Oh, right. Cheers. Hey. Absolutely. Yes, sorry. A little Cavassier VSOP. Exactly. Sorry. Mm. It's such a smooth voice. I want to like, I want to lick your mouth. Yeah. All right, go. Now. Because yeah, we have such smooth voices. Huh? <laughs> I, mean, I am not a, I might be a smooth operator, but I don't have that smooth voice. I'm more rotary dial. Yeah. <laughs> um, so tell us what you do for Cavassier and how, like, I, I know we spoke a little bit and I kind of have a general understanding, but mm -hmm. like we talk about those puzzle pieces, those things come together. So for you... Cavassier, I'm regionally based, uh, I market for Maryland, DC and Virginia. Um, and really when they came, the, the opportunity kind of came to me kind of obscure. So I'm in the music industry primarily. Mm -hmm. um, I happen to be working with an artist who is signed to my production company that also has a uh, venture at Motown Records. And cool. we were recording in Atlanta. And the woman who owns the studio, we were working out of Treehouse Studios. Um, all she drinks is Cavassier. Um, she was telling me how she wanted to build a relationship with the brand um, and kind of cause a resurgence of Cavassier in the urban community. 
we hadn't really heard much about Cavassier since Buster Rounds passed to Cavassier <laughs> and things of that Buster. nature. So she was an avid Cavassier fan, and that was her spirit. Um, she fast forward about a year later. She called me. She was like, remember that when we were talking about Cavassier and what I wanted to do? And she was like, well, it came to fruition. I spoke with the brand. They, um, I'm going to be working as an agency with them, and they're asking me who regionally fits to support the brand in each market. And she was like, DC is one of the focus markets. I know you run things in DC that I would love for you to um, listen to the opportunity and figure out if we can make something happen with the brand. So they gave me a call, we talked on the phone. They came out to see me at another uh, place where I was consulting. Uh, I was consulting for this lifestyle uh, urban retailer, DTLR, downtown oh. locker room, uh -huh. which is based here in Baltimore. So I, I was running, they have a radio station which broadcasts over an internet app and into all of their 200 stores. So I was running music and programming for that. They came to visit me at the office. I told them everything I had going on with the music, with Downtown Locker Room, with my label, this and that, all the relationships I had at nightclubs and venues, and they thought it was a perfect match. Funny, I was, I was in the running for the Hennessy ambassador position at the very same time. So imagine that. Imagine that. You know, so for me, so for me, I saw it, especially because Cavassier hadn't been heard from in the market for so long. I saw it as a challenge to bring Cavassier back to the forefront. So that was what was more enticing to me was to actually it's one thing to be hired by a brand and just keep the wheel rolling, but to have really authentic influence yeah, and to bring people back to a spirit which, you know, really didn't have a footprint in the market at the time. That was what I wanted to be a part of. Bit of a challenge. A bit of a challenge. That's so cool. that was enticing to me. You know, we, we worked out the business and here we are two and a half years later. Wow. Two and a half years. So you, that was a tough time to come in with cognac because that's For when sure. like gin was like everybody's wheelhouse and everyone was spending their dollars that way. Yeah. I find that, I find that, so I have to say, I love that Cavarcier is back with the musicians and like when you're saying you want to do the record label and stuff because at least I know for sure, you know, when we do cocktail history and like where to come from and everything, um, all the, all the, all the uh, darker spirits like um, cognac, um, you know, whiskeys, overproof whiskeys, um, Japanese whiskeys, mm, stuff like sure. that, all made their way into the United States and found themselves like in clubs, like underground clubs, like jazz clubs and open mics and this, but I'm talking like, you know, early, like 1940s, 19, you know, 1930s mm -hmm. after um, like prohibition and stuff like that. So like, it's been like, kind of like, it's always been a musician's choice and I feel like They've always played in different um, arenas where people could afford a higher end. Right. Do you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So like there was, and, and, and Konex special like that. Absolutely. It's refined, it's it's beautiful. You know, it's made from grapes. It's not just, you know, it's not just a, a, you know, something they dumped a bunch of sugar and distilled it and said, okay. Right. Here's rum. No, I'm yeah. just kidding. Yeah. <laughs> it's a special process here. Special process here. So what, um, what makes a Cognac a Cognac then? Cognac has to come from cognac. Okay. But uh, so there's a, a saying, and I might screw it up, but I'm not going to screw it up because I'm not going to read it. It's um, all cognac is brandy, but not oh, all brandy could cognac. ever be cognac. Gotcha. Correct. So, you know, it's like, 
it's kind of something that we that we learn like in our like how to like you know put the categories of what these things are together yeah I, for me i love the spirit it, it goes so many different ways you know it's it's smooth mm -hmm. it's very smooth you know your it's voice is a smooth. little hoarse it helps yes yeah. you know hot toddies hot toddies you're feeling a little, little under the weather yeah a little under the weather but it's also like appeasing to late night mm -hmm. You know, it doesn't kill your stomach. It's not very acidic. It doesn't have like a ton of sugar. You know, there's residual sugar from the grapes, but that's not the same thing. Right. So, you know, there's something to be said when you're drinking, you know, red wine at three o'clock in the morning, your teeth are red, your mouth's red. Nothing happens to you. <laughs> For sure. Are you trying to tell me something, Gina? <laughs> what? <laughs> I, you know. Maybe I need to lay off you the know, red wine. I, I call it the housewife, you know, the housewife hustle when they have those red mouths. So, <laughs> so you know, you gotta, pick, you gotta pick your poison. You wanna wear, you know, a pencil skirt and look good and be out in the club, or you wanna, you know, you have hair and rollers, you sip a red wine at home. I don't know. It's up to you. It's on you. It's on you. <laughs> tell me more about I wanna know more. Yeah. Like, I wanna know more. This is like fascinating to me. So anytime you get linked to the world of brands and marketing, it just, it's, uh, I always find it like a game of, uh, it's a little bit of manipulation, but playing into what people want and how they see themselves and brands they want to align themselves Absolutely. with. I mean, we're in an interesting time and I feel like social media has changed everything. Um, and especially with urban culture, there's like a emergence of fashion, music, brands, influencers, it's all going into, it all goes together organically. So to have relationships in all of those realms is very important. And people like to, people hate, I feel that people hate to feel like they're being sold something. Of course. So it's key to just present a product in its natural setting, whether that be you're in the studio, whether you're in a nightclub, whether you're at a performance venue, you're at a fashion show, you're at a business meeting. All of these things, you can present the product in that natural setting and be selling it to an, an onlooker and they not even realize that the product is being sold to Yeah. Which is what I feel like experiential and lifestyle marketing is. I'm already in fashion shows. I'm in the studio, I'm working with the next hot artist. If I present this product on my social media, in my stories, on my Facebook, on my Twitter, in its natural setting, I'm, in essence, it's an ad. Yeah. Because those people who are influenced and inspired by the lifestyle that I lead, they're like, oh, okay, he drinks Cavassier. I should go get a glass of that or a bottle of that. Well, it's more authentic. It's more authentic. It's a yeah. more authentic because if it really is a part of your 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 life and For part sure. of what you're doing sure. on, an, on an ongoing basis, and you, you're right, it's, it, yeah. it really has to do with just being authentic and not being like wrapped up into a, a ribbon and you know with the, this right tagline every time delivered in a certain way. You know, I mean, that's a lot of what happens in advertising. I mean, that's yeah. always been my game. But and, there's always and to also just have that suggestive. Uh, those relationships where, you know, the hot girls want to be at a certain guy's table. And, <laughs> you know, they want to go to the party when this person's hosting. And to make sure that you have those relationships to affiliate the brand to those settings as well is key. Yeah. Because it's all about what those hot people are doing is what people follow more than anything. Word of mouth and the small those small pockets of influence yeah. is what makes a brand or 
a rumor or whatever spread like wildfire. Yeah. So, you know, it's just. Do you think, I have a question. Do you think that you're, so when, so let's define it, right? Okay. So you're saying, let's, let's put a definition on it. So if you do like the urban dictionary and you say, are you, <laughs> are you, so you say influencer, right? Mm-hmm. But are you more in the know or are you the influencer? Mm-hmm. So you're in the know and you know what's happening, right? I, I'm probably on the, I walk that line. Okay, because I feel like the in the nose are like the people that can actually back it with a bunch of like, you have the facts, you understand, this is what it is, you know, whatever. So like, like um, there was that Netflix, um, that Netflix that just came out with the history of hip hop, right? Uh-huh. So it's four episodes. Yeah. And I have to say straight, like, no doubt that that is 100% in the know. Now, he wasn't an influencer, but what he did, and what he didn't even realize what he did, he told the story as the I know. Yep. And now all of these kids that didn't know are like taking trips to all these places in New York City and like Queens and Jamaica. And I grew up, so that's where I grew up and I was just home. Yeah. And my friends were telling me like, gee, you're not gonna believe this. People like, there's a tour now of Linden Boulevard. I'm like, <laughs> I'm like excuse me? He's like, yeah, you know that documentary? I'm like, yeah. And they're like, there's a tour now of Linden Boulevard. This is where LL Cool J was. And this is where the fan mail went in Alma. And this is what, I was like, come on. Like, you're lying to me, but there really is. You can sign up for it, right? So in the know became the influencer to make the hustle. So I feel like the hustle, right? The hustle, the in the know, and then the influencer is kind of like the it's better way. It's a trifecta. Way. Yeah, but like, if you look at any good marketing, right? It's Revlon. It's called Revlon, right? Mm-hmm. So it has nothing to do with what you do, right? So we're talking makeup. Yep. It's the product hustle. It's, yep. it's the, it's the, I need it. Right. And I love that you're doing that. But like, do you think that you, like, I like that you say you walked the line because like, I guess my point is like, you have to have, you have, you said quantify earlier, right? You have to quantify it. You have to know what you're talking about. For sure. Because like, I, there's so many people that come up to you, you know, in this business, especially like when you start getting more involved with brand identity or what you're doing, or you wind up in events and you, you know, and they're throwing everything at you. And, you know, I watch people like, Take take the opportunities and lose them because there's nothing behind. There's them. nothing behind it. Yeah, you know they, that's an authenticity. For sure, and I mean, a lot of see a lot of influencers also lack the back end knowledge of business or how business affects the bottom line. Yeah. So you can have as much what you think is influence, but how much does your influence really move cases? Yeah. Yeah, because as long as you can give it away yeah, free you, all I mean, day you long. Get, you can get as many likes as you want on yep. social media. And this Absolutely. And that. But when does that translate into sales? Yeah, when does that change behavior? I mean, that's got to help in the parties, right? So you throw parties. Right. Right. But it's also having the negotiation skills to when you, you know, when you're telling a venue they need to buy in. And like, in order for you to support this, this party, you have to be able to know what are my case goals like. What does the brand want to see? Um, it, it's a juggling of how much am I going to give in order to get what I need. So if you do, if you if all you ever done is be a social media influencer, you might not know how to get your product into these venues or um, you know make the right buy-in or what's the value add and how is this going to support a long-term relationship. Um, and who are you bring through the door? Yeah, because exactly. that's even the other thing. Is it the like demographic even, that yeah. I that the brand is looking to cater to? Yeah, you know, so it's it's a balance of a lot of different facts, um, and just wherewithal. Like I've been through so many different experiences. I've been a bar owner. You own a bar? 
I did. Um, <laughs> uh, Big Play Sports Grill in College Park, Maryland. Where is that in College Park? I was a chirp. So Bentley's yep. is, you know, on Route 1, yep. across from the shopping center, um, directly at the opposite corner of where Bentley's was. So that strip. You mean where I sat? Where I sat? Oh, I know where that was. So it, is, it is or was. It's still there. Well, it's a, somebody else's the owner now it's called backyards yes grill now. yes but when i had it it was big play sports grill oh. so i had it from 2011 to 2014. what did you think about being a bar owner it was yeah. a tough experience i'm in my and sixth year congratulations yeah. <laughs> yeah. congratulations you made it through the woods per se well yeah i think that's what they that's what they call it yeah the, the first five years of the woods yeah it's everyone's just getting sweeter i'm like ah, no not yet what? Yeah, but th now she's opening a second place and the else. Well, the other things the else. Well, I want to do it all over again. I want to get hurt physically, yeah. <laughs> cry a lot. No, you, you, you do all that. Yes. And I think that that's why I didn't last as a bar owner because it wasn't, it wasn't my passion. Yeah. I, was, I went into it more as an investment. And then I found myself more engulfed in it than I wanted to be. And it was just, you know, we were seven days a week joint. Yep. So it was like seven days a week, 24 hours a I day. I couldn't be who I was in order to get the place while I was maintaining the place. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it was just like I had to make a decision of forking the road. It was like it I tried it. Yeah, you, you can know, take that and done it. I, I, I understand what it takes, which is a lot. And um, but it was a great experience. Yeah, I'm glad you're here too. I'm oh, sure. Yeah, that sure, what, sure. It, it's all a part of your journey. I don't know yeah. how many times we say that on this show, but it truly nah, is. It's like sure. the universe puts those things out there, and you go down these paths, and there's something along the way. Even if when you get yeah. to the other side and say, ah, oh, but you, there was so much you learned in that time frame, Absolutely. and you couldn't do what you do now yeah, if you I, hadn't done that. And I was, you know, I, I always say that period of my life was me getting a master's. Like it was, <laughs> I, mean, I was young doing the project. I was 29. Yeah. So. You know, your baby. Yeah, I wouldn't. You know, I wouldn't trade the experience for nothing because I was, you know, playing with real live economics. Yeah, like, I, <laughs> I had to understand. Like, yeah. Oh, okay. This. Yeah. I, I get it. I get these taxes. I get this dealing with the alcohol board. I get this banking. Now I understand it all. I had to see it in real time. Yeah, I, that is something that most bar, just in general, just in general, people that own, own, um, like bars in general or restaurants or any business never understand. You have to pay people. Yeah. You have to pay your attorney, your taxes, and this and that. Or there's like this little thing called the government yeah. will seize your shit. Yes. <laughs> and that will be the end of that. For My sure. thing, I owned a small agency, a uh, mm -hmm. uh, branding agency in mm -hmm. Hawaii. What I learned during that time frame was the importance all your decisions affect so many the other people. people. The people on your staff, the, your decision could decide whether or not you have 10 employees or five employees and you look at them and you you just have this responsibility to them and it, it's a great learning experience and also i learned so much about Having managing relationships <laughs> managing relationships and people yeah um one thing that i learned about especially the restaurant and bar business you deal with a lot of people transient people like people that are in transition oh yeah because all right, if, I, if I'm in between jobs, or I mean, one of the first things I think is, oh, I can be a waiter. Yeah, Or I can absolutely. try my hand at being a bartender. Yep. So you learn that shit. And then you, especially being in a college town, you're dealing with students yeah. who who go home for the, this semester and they're not around for the summer. Or, 
is seasonal employees. And yeah. don't care. And don't care. Yeah. Because mommy and daddy are going to give go. you a nice check no matter what. <laughs> no matter what happens. Because they're not going to let Johnny or Susie starve while they're in school. <laughs> so it's just so much of being prepared for, oh, this person isn't going to show up today. Or it's homecoming. It's They're home not coming. Yeah. And, <laughs> yeah. Like, and yeah. then that's your busiest day of the year. Yeah. So it's just like, you know, thinking ahead and, and prepping for, you know, the unexpected and, you know, what people might do. There's so many variables. So, you know, learning a person's traits and what they might do before they do it. Yeah. Is something I became pretty special at myself by dealing with <laughs> so many different personalities and so many different walks of life. Yes, absolutely. It's got to be better, though, for your read now. For sure. Because you'll walk into a situation and you can, like, you just learn. You can read a yeah. room. And you, you, you learn. And you run with questions to ask people yep. Yep. about, you yep. know, what they got going on in life. But you can get there quicker, too. I feel like you learn the steps, how to jump in so much faster because... You're a bartender, you have three seconds to interact, right? Yeah. So this whole like, baby, I blah, da, da, and you're like, oh, well, you needed this, right? You learn to do that, but I, you find yourself, at least I do, or, and I, I don't want to speak for you, but I find myself those tools that I've learned that 55 people can walk up to me and I can handle it. All at once. All at once. It's the same thing in business, and I doesn't, I, I'm sometimes a little curt, like not curt, like rude, but more like let's get to the point because. You know, wh why waste the Like, we don't have to play the dance. Yeah, like, the dance is over. We know we, we want to be with each other, but like, how's this how's dance gonna, gonna work? How are we gonna work? We're gonna yeah. put the same card, not the same card. For you sure. know, like, is this gonna work out? You know, and then it's better to just be, you know, find your relationship where you're at. So speaking of dance cards, let's tell everyone where we are. So we're at uh, Jack Rose Dining Saloon on 18th Street here in Washington, D.C. Mm -hmm. They are hosting us again. They do always are so welcoming. Thanks, they Jack Rose. And hate us, I think, sometimes. No, I'm just kidding. Mostly love, all love, all love. So uh, if you guys hear anything in the background, don't be surprised. It's just it's a operating a, a functional space, and they're getting ready to serve some uh, great whiskey. So yeah, let's just stay. Let's not get in the way of that. <laughs> anyway, like, speaking of serving drinks, Gina. Yeah, let's, let's make a drink. Okay. So. I'm all inspired by you. I love the fact you're bringing the, the Cavarsi back to the music scene. I love that time period of cocktails. I love the old times of like uh, Cavarsi, like cognac when it started and brandies and stuff. So we're actually gonna make a cognac crusta. Okay. So a cognac um, crusta is a classic cocktail. Um, I might have a little twist on it though. So of course, always, never, not a twist. <laughs> so what we did was we um, sugar rimmed a glass and- um, It's really beautiful. Here's a, here's a pro tip to sugar rimming a glass. You, you don't, are a pro. You she don't, a pro. Uh, you don't use simple syrup and you don't use water. You take um, a lemon or a lime or whatever fruit you're gonna use and you actually go around the glass with that fruit in, uh, in the face and then you tap it into your sugar and then you can leave these and they will never melt. They will not run down your fingers. And when you're out and you're looking good, the last thing you want on your rings is like, you know, stickiness, goat mess, and that's the last thing you put it down and drop it. So all that effort's for not when you don't just do that one step. Nice. And uh, cool. yeah, it's a Japanese bar book that uh, like really goes into like the crust of designs and like you can go crazy with this. They need different colors and coral it and it's nuts. 
My. Yeah, so we just did a little little sunset. I call it the sunset. Look. I like it. Beautiful. A little white and dark. All right. Anyway, <laughs> so um, in here we have two ounces of Cavarsavia SOP. Super smooth, really nice. Um, uh, cognac, just so really quickly, has different classifications. You have VS, VSP, XO, um, and just then how old they are. Is that what that is? Yeah, it's an age. It's basically an age statement without saying an age statement because it's a blend. Cognac is blended from different times to make the formula work. Gotcha. So you have something as old as 25 years with something as young as five, and it's blended together to make their formula. Gotcha. So it's just, that's basically what it is, right? Sure. And if I'm wrong, you are always allowed to correct me and be like, you're wrong. No, then. you got it. Yeah. And, you're, and you're more of a specialist than I am. Um, <laughs> I, I mean, I know VSOP is very special old pale. Yep. And so it's about the barrels that it's aged in as well. So I just merely show up and uh, drink. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So in here we have two ounces of the Cavartier. And now we're, we, then we put in um, uh, half an ounce of uh, Cointreau or any, any orange Curacao would work. Uh, and then we're going to put in a half an ounce of fresh lemon juice. And I'm just going to squeeze it in because I really, the, the fresher, the better. Um, if it comes from aisle six in the grocery store, please don't use it. <laughs> um, you need to get something that comes from an actual skin and squeeze it in. And you could always use your hands. You don't have to be super fancy. So Gina, are you leaving um, the rind on that before you? No. Well, well, you can. I'm going to, I'll get into it. Hold on. So, um... In there, so normally when you make these, you would put in there um, a secondary liqueur, right? So we have right now we have orange curacao. Some people put um, um, mesquino or something like that. Um, you can put anything that's sweet, but we're, we're changing it out. I actually made um, a Riesling syrup. Mm -hmm. So it's uh, Riesling with a little bit of apple and pear. Wow. And we use that for a half an ounce, and I'll give the recipe for that. You know, Great. We do our recipes. Um, so now it's all in a shaker tin, and... We are going to add some ice, and then we're going to add two healthy dashes of Ango bitters. Angostura bitters. I shouldn't say Ango. <laughs> Bar lingo. Whoops. A little, little tired this morning. All right. So another pro tip is always turn your bottle upside down. You get the best two, um, you get the best pours out of it. When you're doing any kind of bitters, don't just dab it on the side because that's just a dribble, and then maybe you have to get your prostate So... <laughs> That's not happening today. Don't worry, Andre. <laughs> not what's happening here. Please, no. <laughs> That's one way to scare our guests right off the show. This is no, come on. <laughs> Listen, it, I was especially in, with its crusted edge. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the deal, right? I've been in New York for a while, so, you know, my, my swagger is back in a hard way. So, good luck, everybody. So we're gonna double strain this, just not because you have to, only because I just don't like the ice chips in it. Nice. I'm gonna put this in. It's really beautiful. It it's the color, um, and it kind of matches what the ice, um, what the sand. I call it the sand on a cocktail, even though it's just sugar. In the in the craft cocktail world, I love all the detail that goes into making these wonderful drinks. And then I, I, when you get spoiled by having a great drink like this, you go to the club and you're getting table service and all you get is pineapple juice, <laughs> cranberry juice, <laughs> ginger ale and Coke. Yeah. So you can never enjoy it this way in certain settings. This is our next thing to do. Yeah. We, we, yeah. Oh, table side um, cocktails. De designated drink or table side cocktails. There we go. So in here, I'm I took the entire peel of the lemon 
and we're going to put it inside. And basically what's going to happen, it's going to look like this is like a little ball. So it actually looks like a whole lemon's in there. Mm-hmm. And then you're just going to sip it. And that is a traditional, traditional, non-traditional crusta. Cheers. Oh. Thanks, Gina. It's the in your know. I don't know. <laughs> I have no idea. Oh, wow. that's really good. That tastes like an apple pie, almost. It, it, there is. A, <laughs> the apple is coming through. We've got the nice, like, it, you're right. It, it's like Thanksgiving almost. Mm-hmm. It's really, definitely beautiful for this time wow. of year. It's lovely. You can always, and one thing I love about cognac is you can always add just a little bit of champagne to it. And it always elevates the experience, you know. That's nice. Obviously, classic champagne cocktails. Is, yeah. Because, you know. So that would be a variation to this, you would think? Uh, no. no. No, no, no. Champagne cocktails are, are a, a mother cocktail gotcha. of this kind of stuff. So they have different uh, categories. Nice. It is. You know, and she's right. The sugar does stay on just perfectly. Yeah. It's not to me, It's not to sweeten the drink. It's mm. just the texture. Mm-hmm. Because you're, you have all the smoothness in the glass. And really what it does, it stops you from guzzling it. No, sure. <laughs> because this is one of those drinks if you had a straw in there gone gone yeah and uh, and, and then the, you'd be gone on the floor absolutely well i think i think sometimes people don't realize like you know cognac you know it is 40 percent so i'm cool some cognacs would be a little bit hotter even but you know it's really smooth so yeah. it's easy to stay very smooth no, and the next sure. thing you know I've you're like nights. i know yeah <laughs> and the next thing you're like oh what what time is it oh we gotta do what yeah Who's what? coming here? What? <laughs> but I mean, I feel like that's the, that's the beauty of it. Absolutely. I would love to see the table side. We have to do that it. That would be nice. Oh, so, we, I mean, awesome. we would need your special Riesling syrup. I think I think what would be carass. really fun is exactly. to have a big event and pump out these kind of cocktails Absolutely. and show club bartenders that like they can be done that fast. It's all in the prep. Yeah, yeah. It, it is. It is. It has nothing to do with... Um, it has nothing to do with... Uh, you know how hard it's to make it. It's just the prep of it. Like, is it ready to go? Just the way they have the sure. shooters in the in the in the in the wells, they can have these kind of things made. Add the alcohol last second and shake it, and it's great. Absolutely. It would change. It would change the game. No, I think we should do something. You and I should set something up where we have a little intimate group. Wait a minute, I want to be there. Well, doesn't I even just want to drink. Oh, you're coming for sure. You, you're absolutely invited. But we need to set up getting the right people in the room, and let's show them how to enjoy cognac the right way. Absolutely. I think that's be honoring the spirit, right? Back to yeah. what you always say, Gina, is just honoring the spirit. And, I, and I think the consumer base is really, you know, uninformed a lot of, you know, some of the things you can do. Easy. With, that's that why we easy? have this little thing called yeah. the designated drink. Who, so I, I, I wouldn't even know to mix Riesling and, yeah. and Cognac. Because you, you've always been taught, don't mix, don't mix, don't mix. You don't know what to mix and what yeah. not to mix. Yep. What things, you know. Have professional if they, like if they grow to, if they grow together, they go together. There you go. Yeah. That's really the truth. Like, that's sure. like, uh, that, but that's a that's a chef mentality. Yeah. yeah, they'll always tell you that. So, if you need the recipe for this or any other um, recipe that Gina shares on our show, you know where you're gonna go. You're gonna go to the designated drinker dot show, and you're gonna find all of those. Cause so uh, excellent. Yeah, I'm they're always be there. A frequent visitor. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> you like how I work that in. Yeah. You're I'm an influencer, you're Gina. I'm an so influencer. <laughs> I swear, you can just see those pitching. old. She's pitching. Yeah, she's gonna do those old uh, commercials and then the radio ads for like, um, for uh, for the cognacs and stuff. Exactly. Like that. It's too good. It's too good. <laughs> you should. You should do a radio spot. Convince them to do some radio ads. Yeah. Sure. <laughs> All right. Unless you got anything else. You know what time it is. A deal to make, but not on air. 
Okay, <laughs> let's right. do that off then. All right, All right let's uh, finish these drinks. And uh, so, Andre, it's last call. Okay. Uh, you don't have to go home. Well, I gotta get out of here. Let's get the hell out of here. Yeah. <laughs> well, thanks for having me, guys. Thanks for being here. Pleasure. Thank you.